Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mail Military Spouse Radio Show, brought to you in part by the Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement and by Armed Forces Insurance. Here's your host, Dave Edder. Good afternoon, everybody, or actually, I should say good morning to those of you on the East Coast. It should be about 9 a.m. for you guys on the East Coast. On the West Coast, it's uh, 6 a.m., so this kind of makes it uh, morning drive time. And that works out well for me. For me, it is 3 o'clock in the afternoon over here in Germany, which then means the rest of Germany and uh, Europe. And, uh, we'd be looking at 3 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, as the case may be. Uh, if you're over in, in the, the, the desert area, it's probably later getting close to sundown. But uh, And for those of you that, are, that might be listening over in Korea, I believe... We're looking at Korea or Japan. It's uh, actually tomorrow already. It's already Saturday. So, well, wherever you are, welcome to the Male Military Spouse Radio Show. It is episode 71. How do you perceive being a male military spouse? Now, I have this, I had this uh, idea on this because there's, how do I go into this? The, the, there are, a lot of studies out there that we've been using to try and quote what our population is, the male military spouse population. I maintain that for a long time, uh, I would say two years, two and a half years, we were, we were sitting on the 7% as the, the amount of how many male military spouses are out there. And it's grown, I believe, to a good solid 10%, if not a little bit more. There are some studies that, that lead the indication or at least to believe that it might be as high as 12%, maybe as high as 15 We bantered around some numbers that just looking at the numbers would suggest that we're at 30% of the military spouse population. However, does that, what do those numbers actually mean for us. It means we are still in a minority because a smaller minority amongst spouse groups might be the LGBT uh, demographic and is appears to be, I'm not sure how it sets as what the percentages are amongst uh, military spouses what the, the, the actual numbers would be. But uh, oh, just got a news flash from CNN. It looks like that uh, Japanese boy. Let me see what I can find out about that. If you've been following the news, they, a Japanese boy was missing, and they were trying to find it. A seven-year-old Japanese boy left in the woods by parents was found after week-long search. Okay. Uh, real quick rundown of what that was going on about that. Uh, it was a form of punishment that his parents had where it was that they took him out into the forest and left him alone. Uh, we do that in Arkansas. We do that in Georgia. We do that in Arizona. 
Uh, we can do that in the big city, too, just by dropping them off a couple blocks from home that they don't recognize. And the punishment, of course, you go back and you get the kid and you ask him whether or not he's learned his lesson, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they went back to find him, and he wasn't there. They couldn't find him. So if you want to find out more about that story, you go right ahead. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything we're doing. I just know it is a, it's a coolish news flash for those of you that might have been following. Okay, back to what I was saying about the percentages of spouses. Uh, we have been, like I said, we've been dealing with trying to figure out how what, what our population exists to be for military spouses. And I find this to be an important number because we need to get recognized. We need to be uh, coddled. I kind of hate saying coddled, but it, it's, a, it's a fact that if you are a new spouse to a new post and you just come out of being, you know, like major, the, the major breadwinner of the family and now your wife is now the major breadwinner because you've moved with her and the kids to her new duty station and you don't have a job because it did, you had to quit your job in order to follow her and be with her and support her in her endeavors of being a military member, then you have to find the resources that could be available or should be available for you as uh, at that military installation. Well, can you and do you? It didn't used to be that there was anything of any kind of regularity, uh, if you will. In other words, where one post might be really great about giving you, uh, giving the new families a a, a warm, well, a basket to get carried to your front doorstep by somebody in your your organization, your your readiness, family readiness organization, or you know what I'm saying? You you end up with. What you actually end up doing is you end up seeing that uh, you had a great time at this one post. You go to the next post, and it really, really sucks. So what do you do? Well, instead of it being hard to do anymore, now it's getting a lot easier. And that's what I'm perceiving. Uh, It's what I'm trying to put together also. I'm working on building an app. Well, it will develop into an app but at least a database, something you can go online and look at that says you need to find where a, a where you can reliably get uh, baby gear, strollers or, or, or uh, child seats. You could click on that and, it, and, and you've already defined what base you are at if I have a resource, if I've identified a resource that is willing to keep me updated as to whether or not they're still doing it, it will tell you what their address is, what their phone number is, and a point of contact. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sure that everybody has all of the, the, the stuff together. I mean, and you can search other bases, too. You can search other areas. You can look ahead of time. You could, you could do the sorting any way you want. Well, 
in the process of doing my research and finding up the, the finding out what needs to go into this database, I've come across a couple of neat things. And one of which it, it goes back a little ways. Uh, the Department of Psychology.org put out a study or a, a response to a study uh, by Dr. Marjorie Winstock. Uh, some of you may have read this report. She is a PhD. She is the lead military families and CBT for depression at the Center for Deployment Psychology, the CDP, of the Uniform Services University of Health Sciences in Bethesda, Maryland. She took some of the, 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 the surveys and the research that we've been, we as guys have been participating in. We'll see that the, the call for take this research, take this study, take this survey, what do you think? And she wrote an article. Uh, it looks like it was on January, March, March 30th of this year and posted it in her blog on the Center for Deployment Psychology, um, which is deploymentpsych.org. If you want that spelled out, I can. D-E-P-L-O-Y-M-E-N-T-P-S-Y-C-H dot org. Uh, specifically, the the whole address for it is after, after you type all that in is slash blog slash staffs staff perspective uh, yeah, staff dash perspective dash and I think that takes you right to her blog anyway um, the what she said in it is and I'll uh, quote a uh, big discussion in a military spouse Facebook pet group that I am a member of over a new series in the Military Times called Mom to Mom Guide for Military Families. Remember, we talked about this, and I told you that that it, it just it, it it chapped my ass. Well, and I remember which I, I'm a member of that Facebook page. I'm pretty sure this is I'm the one that she, she's referring to in this, where it says it says uh, I haven't read the entire series. But the first entry includes a spouse's answers to questions about the challenge of maintaining her career as a military spouse, blah, 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 none of which are experiences limited to military moms. But one of the male spouses who is part of the group expressed his frustration at the title of the series, noting that it is just one example of how male military spouses are often marginalized and can be invisible to many within the military community. It could even have been Jeremy that said that because Jeremy says the same thing and he, he is a, a a huge proponent in our defense to make sure that us guys will get a, a proper shake in things of this nature and so she got she goes on she says this got me thinking of the experiences of male military spouses a population which we know is a small subset of the overall military spouse population the 2013 demographics profile of the military community does not break out the number percentage of male military spouses, but we do know, here's some numbers for you, that 756,767 married active duty service members, 88% are male and 12% are female. 
And since this data was collected prior to same-sex spouses being legally recognized by the military, can assume that approximately 12% of the spouses, or 90,733 spouses, are male. That was 2013. This is now 2016. I think that's probably right, but we figured that with a, a plus or minus error of 5%, just we'll, we'll go ahead and give it as good as a 5% error, that brought it down to approximately 7%, and that's what we lied on, relied on, was saying three years ago, 7% of the male population were, 7% of the military spouse population were males. Okay. Now that they have included the uh, uh, LGBT information, new subset of, of uh, data and the, the new surveys that have been put out there, they put it put us much higher at closer to 20%. And we, like I said, we talked earlier about one where it looked like we were 30% larger. Well, 30% of. And what that equates to is remember your math. One third is 33%. One fifth is 20%. So one fifth means out of every five spouses, one should be a, a, a man. Or out of every 10 spouses, two of them should be men. So out of 100 spouses, just adding another zero, that would make it 20 men out of 100 spouses should be men. So when you go to these events that are for military spouses and they're supposed to be all inclusive, you can look and see by the results and you can ask to find out how many of them actually said they were coming and how many of them actually did show up. They'll give you rough ideas, rough enough that you can make some good percentages and expectations. You'll find out that they don't advertise it right. That's what I think it is. It's an advertising problem. They're not gearing it to look at us. So let's go back to the, the, uh, the blog. Um, Male military spouses, invisible family members, question mark. She had some interesting uh, things on life as a male military spouse from military one source, described the potential challenges associated with being a military spouse was, others may assume that, the serv that they're the service member. I remember seeing that. Um, Role identity clash, in other words, male military spouses in the marriage may clash with their identity as a male, especially true if you are unemployed or the primary caregiver of the children. And then while this type of role reversal can also be difficult in civilian settings, it's particularly challenging in a military environment, with environment which often emphasizes traditional ideals of masculinity. And that's what the military is trying to eliminate. How they're going about eliminating it is a little strange, a little unusual. 
little kinder, gentler. You know, your drill sergeants nowadays, instead of jumping in front of the recruit's face and calling them maggots and telling them that they're they're worthless and they need to get down and drop down and give them 20, instead they go, am I bothering you? Am I making you feel upset? I am so sorry if I am, but you need to understand, blah, blah, blah. So it's a kinder, gentler approach. And we're losing out our military members are getting softer and they're getting they're more entitled which our spouses are feeling more entitled especially uh the younger ones the millennials because if it's not done in an, uh, a manner in which they're used to doing i.e with a telephone you know cell phones uh being able to do it on tablet iphone ipad whatever you're using uh, soon it'll be VR. Uh, if if you can't reach your spouses in those matters, if you're relying in the old Korea uh, era, Vietnam era, the 50s and the 60s and the 70s way of communicating, you're not going to reach these new kids, these new spouses. And I know there's a lot of you that might be listening now. And you need to call in if you're listening and you and, and you have a thought or an idea or something you would like to to kick out, please, please do so. Uh, the phone number five one six four five three nine one six seven. Just give me a call. If you go to the blogtalkradio.com to the male military spouse radio show uh, site, there is a a button in which you can click that will allow you to to connect right to the radio show and you'll be listening to this show because it is the current show. If you click it outside of the show lines, it will take you to the most recent show that will give you the the blog show, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the podcast. That's right, gotta get that right. Take you to the podcast and either way, you still can use that. Um, if you're on the Facebook page and you go to Male Military Spouse Radio Show Facebook page, you'll see a button up there that says Call Now. And what that actually does is that takes you to Skype. You, you call in, and then uh, you, do, you don't have to say anything. You can you keep it on mute and just listen. Uh, that's what Chris does all the time from uh, MachoSpouse.com. He will listen at his desk, and he's probably – listening now or tuning in so that he can um, drink me some of my coffee here. In case you're wondering, I usually am drinking a beer. And Oh, hey, Fritz, I see you're here. Fritz Snyder is over in the chat room listening in. Good to see you, buddy. I haven't seen you around in a while. It's always good to have your viewpoint. Type in what you need into the chat room, and I can uh, bring it. I can talk about it here on the show for you so you don't have to uh, stop what you're doing at work. Anyway, so please call in and give me some ideas and some thoughts about what you're thinking about. Or like I said, you can do it in the chat room. Uh, Do the same way. You can even try sending something on Facebook. Um, I'm not exactly monitoring the Facebook per se. Um, I I can. I'm going to try bringing that over here and see whether or not I can can do that while watching the, the, the show to see if anybody's calling in. But I'm going to bring up 
on to, I think, let's see. Let me go ahead and do that. I'm going to go over to the show page, and I will just be watching for anything new that pops up with uh, uh, posts to the page. How's that work? Does it sound like a good idea? Let's see what happens. Um, visitor posts. Yeah, the last one was, was me with the uh, visitor's post. There we go. That, that, that could do it. That could do it. All right. Let's get back to what I was talking about on here. Um, so we talked about the role identity clash, of course, being having to determine whether or not or, or how you uh, feel. Oh, good Lord. Did it? It did do that, didn't it? You turkey. All right. I'm going to have to go find it again. Um, it's away, so i got to go back and find out where I was at. Uh, iPads are not friendly, people. I don't care who you are, what you think, but uh, iPads are not friendly. <laughs> we believe you, Fritz. We do. We believe you. All right. Going to get back over. Oh, my. Enough stuff has happened. Oh, wait. There was a chart there. Was that anything dealing with? Um retirement system taking effect 2018. Probably I'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, but I'll lose that track of that, so we'll figure that out later. Scrolling down, scrolling down. Let's see. Keeping on scrolling. Down, down. This thing. It, and, it, and it's... I mean, it really it piqued my interest. This was so... So crazy. The the whole story behind what they were talking about, um, Military One Source had written up something really nice, and it went back to, it was actually a 2016 thing they talked about, and it had very specific information that was very valuable that I wanted to make sure I got out to you, and here I am starting to sound like... Like I'm rambling, kind of am, because I'm trying to find this crazy thing. Where did it go? Unbelievable. Hmm. Oh, pictures of the crash of the Thunderbird, which was a sad thing. In case those of you that don't know that I'm living under a rock, there was a um, two crashes and a lost... Uh, vehicle, that uh, military vehicle, killed six in the vehicle, which uh, soldiers got got caught in the flood, and the vehicle tipped over and they drowned. Let's see, we had the Blue Thunder was flying over in a um, graduation, and it crashed. They were able to, of course, kick out, and uh, they, they, they were saved. And got outside, taking off, and he uh, he uh, lost control and crashed on takeoff. That pilot is now gone. Okay, almost there. Starting to see some stuff that looked familiar to when I had that open. It's just frustrating to get out. iPad is just not friendly towards this thing. 
And where were we? How do we perceive? Yep, yep. Okay, now we're getting in the right direction. It was after, it was before. I got to, oh, that was funny too. Oh, in case you're funny, who's been following the gorilla thing, the gorilla incident where the, the baby fell into, four-year-old fell into the, the enclosure? Uh, somebody's got a great picture, a great meme that's got a, a gorilla with a monkey on the back, with the baby on the back. It says, if I throw my baby into on stage at a concert, will they shoot Kanye? I love that. That's funny. Okay, moving it. No, not it, not it, not it. Just not working. No, I have completely lost track of this whole thing. Dead. iPad. Pain in the ass. Not liking iPads right now. If I was in a regular browser, I would have been able to go back. Go back and I would have seen what I was looking at. Oh, gotta be kidding. All right. Let's go ahead and search for that. And that was, uh, well, actually, I could probably go to Army One Source. Click on that and see what comes up. Moving down. Soldiers compete. No, no, no. Although I do realize that it does seem a little crazy because the, the, uh, actually, no, I could search inside on that source, couldn't I? And you go, we want source and military. I'm sorry, no, male military. Why did I just do that too? Why don't I search? 
change the way it's trying to go. We'll go to blog, go. Let's see if they give me a list of the blogs. Tab, protect your mage device there, research update. What's next? Let's get some more here. Middle of our month, psychology. Oh, wait a minute, that's going not too far. Main research 19, uh, psychological behaviors, occupants, anxiety. Let's see next. By the numbers, so there's a hospital bed. No, not looking for hospital beds. Looking for the numbers of the male military spouses. Why did I search in there? Search for male military spouses. That would work. There we go. Perspective male military numbers. All right, now I've got it in here. Okay. We have been talking about the role identity clash. Getting on to where we're supposed to be. Sorry about that, folks. All right, the next thing that they were talking about was isolation. Uh, male military spouses feeling isolated. Yes, given the low number of male military spouses, they may feel iso- isolated, particularly with PCSing uh, away from into a new area away from family and friends. That's so true. We talk about that all the time. Male military spouses may find they have little in common with both the military spouses, who are probably women, yes, and the other men in the military who are likely to be service members. Yes, because those service members are going to get, they're going to be looking at us with with crossways because we're stay-at-home like their wives are stay-at-home. And they're being forced to go out and participate in the field, or they're getting deployed. So what are their wives doing? And if if they are raised in today's society, where it's just a it's just sex thing, uh, you're going to find that they are going to not believe that their wives are going to be faithful, and they will start to and think that maybe you are going to do something stupid and you can't talk them out of it. It just doesn't work. They believe what they are going to believe. So with that in mind, what do you do? And I don't have an answer for that. Neither do they hear. Um, they say they're less likely for to see, seek support, and men are less likely to seek out support from an installation or community programs, and less likely to turn to other military spouses who are predominantly female as a resource for information and source of support. She is correct. But you know what? I thought about that, and I went, okay, let me go look back at the Military One Source uh, article, which was written back in Gosh, I'm trying to... It wasn't that long ago. It was 2016. And so it's relatively short, and it talks about what to expect when your wife is in the military. 
They're saying that, that military life can put pressure on any marriage. Yes, I agree. It can. Deployments and frequently moves can put pressure on, but when the wife is a military member and the husband is a civilian, the strain can be greater. Men may be less likely to seek out support from installation and community programs. They may also be less likely to go to other military spouses who are predominantly female as a resource for information and as an outlet for frustration and uncertainty. So if you're a male military spouse, it's important to know how to keep your marriage strong, blah, blah, blah. You can learn what challenges you're likely to face and prepare yourself for them. You can also learn to recognize when you need help and how to get the resource available to you. <laughs> okay, where did they what are they talking about? I don't know. I need to, I need to get a drink of, of, of coffee here. So what I'm going to do is we do have a new sponsor at Male Military Spouse Radio Show. Armed Forces Insurance has come aboard, and they have a, a message they'd like you to listen to. So let's listen to that real quick, and then I'll be right back. When I'm on base, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Cooper, but at home... Daddy! Hi, Dad. Daddy! Hi. I'm known as Dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance, to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. Okay, and back to Male Military Spouse Radio Show, episode number 71, How Do You Perceive Being a Male Military Spouse? We're going over a couple of things, one of which is a uh, an article written by a doctor, um, Dr. Marjorie Weinstock, who's over at the, at the CDP, uh, Center for Deployment Psychology, and they, they, Workers toward for the, the the nagging hard hard questions for uh, warriors and families. As a matter of fact, what is their tagline? Let me find it up here. Ah, preparing pre- professionals to support warriors and families. So anyway, so this this uh, this doc um, she wrote up something pretty interesting. She goes into. Uh, what I was working with mostly was talking about the numbers, but in the process, she quoted and, and used one of her sources was the military one source article under uh, uh, family and relationships uh, subsection marriage and family. And the, the title of the particular article was life as a military, as a male military spouse. Anyhow, um, they were talking about what you can expect when your wife is in the military, and they gave gave some pretty good information and some ideas. Uh, they also worked with us over at uh, Macho Spouse and uh, with some of the, the, the things that, that have been kicked out. A lot of you guys, uh, many, many of you have offered your perspectives and you have kicked in your information. And this, I'm seeing, you know, from what we talked about on Facebook and what we talked about in the chat rooms, what we talked about on the website, the things that we've been talking about, they've been listening. So taking these surveys is actually working. We're actually getting uh, results out of this. Study number one that the doctor used. 
is a review of demographic data. She says that, that there is evidence showing that female service members are likely to divorce, more likely to divorce, to divorce than the male counterparts. Um, she had two different sources on that. One of the sources, she said, also found that those who are in dual military marriages are at an increased risk of marital dissolution. Why, yes. Because it's, it, it, and, and, there, and she's right. One of the points that she, one of the parts that she alluded to was the fact that when you are dual military, when you're in the military, the military member has to do what the military says to do. You don't have a choice. You sign that piece of paper. You gave away your life when you signed that piece of paper to become a military member. <clears throat> those of you, those guys out there that married your wives and they were already in the military, I don't know if you do that. And I don't know if you really recognize that that's what happened. <clears throat> this isn't a woman that's that, that, that that's going to be able to, you know, be there for you when you perceive you need her. Because if she's on deployment, she's on deployment. If she is uh, TDY doing something like training, she has to do training. When she gets called in to stand staff duty, for those of you that don't know what staff duty is, imagine this. You have a hotel room that management has determined that there must be somebody wandering the hallway that is an employee at all hours of the day and night to make sure that the smoke detectors are working by simply sniffing the air. Oh my. Somebody's trying to call me, and I can't answer. Um, somebody and, and, and this employee is walking the hallways, smelling the air to see whether or not there's any fire. Okay? It, it sounds dumb, but it keeps the building from burning down. It also keeps that employee actively employed. For, and, uh, sorry, I just have to reject. Um, and so... With the since they're that's what staff duty is like. Staff duty, if you are the junior member of staff duty, you have to go to you have to uh, um, do the walking, you need to do the running. Uh, the things that we have, uh, other ways of doing smoke detectors that actually work, you can have video cameras that are looking up and down the hallway. Uh, at the barracks, you have somebody that's sitting down that is the boss of the group that's working there now, uh, a, a, a non-commissioned officer in charge, NCOIC. And they have to stand that duty because that is their tasking, and they are told to, they go and they do it. And they, there's, there's, they can maybe switch out. Maybe they can, maybe they can uh, sell their duty to somebody else because they really, 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 really need to, need to go do something with you. But it's not like you know you're working a regular nine to five job like we'll get because we're, 
we're still civilians, that nine to five job, you can walk off and then they, you come back in and they go, what's the matter with you? You want to get fired? And you say, yeah, well, whatever. What do you think is right? Well, we're going to put you in. Just, just remember you're on notice and we're going to keep an eye on you. Um, not in the military. Okay? You can go to jail just for not showing up. Of course, you also can be gone for a lengthy period of time and not really stand any kind of jail, such as Bergdahl in San Antonio. But anyway, I digress. The military owns the military member. And if you have both the male and the female, or female and female, or male and male, if it's whoever is married to whoever, if it's dual military, it can prove extremely difficult when you end up having to change duty stations and one member has to stay back because it just is not possible to accommodate sending you at the same time. As a family, we, we do that because we're civilians and they tell us we have to be able to uh, just up and quit our jobs. And it sucks. That's just the way it is. We don't have to be married to our wives. We don't have to. But that's not fun. That's not a good idea. It doesn't work. So we do. We quit our jobs and we up and leave. Uh, dual military, they will have a, a larger amount of marriage dissolutions, and it's sometimes seven times more likely than if it was just a, um, a guy was in the um, military, the, the female was the uh, uh, civilian. Now, what is it for guys? That demographic is different, and there aren't any numbers that really show any significance in that because they haven't used us enough to come up with serious with with, with data that they can actually put their put their 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 reputations on the line and say yes, this is what it is like. But but there was a a series of information, a 2010 wave of military life, military family life project uh, surveys that were done to, just prior to me joining the just prior to my wife joining the military. So I didn't know about these uh, surveys, but this but the military one source, or I'm sorry, this doctor knew about it. And she found that by studying it, that there was a sample of 28,552 male and female spouses of active duty Army, Marine Corps, Air Force service members. The analysis indicated statistic, statistically significant differences in male and female service members' stepped family structures, namely that female service members were more likely to be in step families than male service members, leading to indicate that the females were, families of female service members were more than, more than twice as likely to include children from service members' prior relationships. So, that's, that is showing that 
from the way I'm reading that is that most of the female service members that were more likely to be in step families were bringing with them the kids prior to them joining the military, such as with, with my wife. Now, if, if you were to include and consider my wife, we have two kids left at home. Between the two of us, we have six kids, which were mine from a previous marriage, but are moved and gone. They're not part of the family anymore. They're all old, older. They're, they're y'all's ages. The last two are ages 20 and 15. The 20-year-old is hers from a previous relationship, and the 15-year-old is ours. So I only have one from my loins living in the house. She has two from her loins living in the house, and that makes up our, our, our family. It would be considered a step family, and it would fall under the lines of the female service member to to include children from prior relationships. But then when you get down to male service members, more likely to be part of families that include children from non-military spouses, previous relationships, just points out to the fact that guys, male, military individuals, pretty much if they haven't, if they're not married prior to joining the military, will pick anybody up that they see will like them, <clears throat> that is willing to say, yeah, I'll go with you wherever you go. Um, if your wife was military prior to you meeting her, uh, and for some of you that are married to military members who married military members, this isn't you. I'm talking to those of you that were married, and then you wife got in the military. If she was already in the military and walked up to you and saying, hey, uh, let's get married, and you can quit your job and come follow me wherever you go, would you have done it? Because we know that you two discussed it prior to her joining the military, didn't you? I made sure we did in ours because I'm prior military, and I knew it was going to happen. Um, that doesn't make me less susceptible to the, the the trials and tribulations that you guys go through because believe me i feel it when she's gone oh my gosh i feel it just as much as you do it hurts it's hard not to have her by my side from the day we met we have been together and so when I made the suggestion that she joined the military, I knew that they would take her away uh, for extended periods of time at pretty much any period, any time they wanted to, any time they felt the need, knew it could happen. Maybe it's going to happen a lot more than if you are Army and perhaps even uh, Marines. Air Force, there's a, a much better chance that the, the separation is going to be shorter periods of time because it's Air Force, it's flight, it's you go, they, they do what they need to do, uh, land a fire strip, load up, whatever, do what they got to do, and they'll come back. So it could be two weeks, three weeks, whatever. Some are gone for a long period of time. Some do back-to-backs. 
I have to admit, between Navy and Air Force, there is a much shorter period between separations, between deployments or taskings that take you away for any, take the, the, the service member away for any period of time. They're similar in that manner, but pretty much a schedule. It's easy to tell when they're when when, when they go out. They know they're going to be going out for a long period of time. They know when they're going out for just a training. They know when they're going out for a TAB. It's easily definable. It's easily easy to work with. Um, just unfortunately, there's a lot of da danger involved, uh, just like with the Marines. A lot of danger involved with when they are out and away, and it's not training. So keeping that in mind, it is, it's highly stressful. But let's see, let's move on. Um, the second dealings, let's see, well, also the analysis were conducted to examine the experiences and perceptions of military spouses. Some differences were noted relative to wives married to act, male active duty service members and husbands married to female active duty service members reported experiencing, let's see, Experiencing significantly fewer deployments, working significantly more hours. I don't understand what, oh, these were the analyses that were, were done. Um, and they, they, this is things that they felt that they needed uh, or that there were significant differences between men and women spouses. Uh, differences in experiencing significantly fewer deployments, re results were different. Working significantly more hours per week, that's the service member working more hours per week because you're used to it. They're working 12 hours a day. Needing more weeks to find a job following the PCS move. That's us, the, the spouses. Experiencing somewhat better financial condition and less depression. And that, I believe, was, was between spouses. That there's a difference between how, how guys handle it and how, how the women handle it. Experiencing lower marital satisfaction and significantly less social support. Not sure I follow what that one is, is dealing with because maybe they're talking about the fact that when I know us guys are experiencing a significant difference when because we've always dealt with the fact that women, our wives, are fickle. They're going to if when a guy says no, it definitely means try harder. I mean, if she walks up to you and she starts uh, starts uh, nibbling on your ear and she starts rubbing you on the shoulders, trust me, it's not going to take it's not going to take an hour to get you under the sheets. It's going to happen. Us guys are easy. Women, on the other hand, we know it. No means no, maybe means no, and yes probably means no. And so we live with the fickleness of women, and pretty much uh, we will live on their schedule. But when their schedule is interrupted by the military, and they come home after a training of a week or two weeks, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, hey, honey, I'm so glad you're back. Oh, I love you so much. Here's these flowers. Here's this chocolate and all our 
ready to ready to go sneak under the covers, and she's like, "You betcha I am, and I'm gonna sleep for a week." It's like, ah, that's not what I was looking for. Well, what do you do? Do you risk now making stress into your marriage where you you may end up ending up having to get divorced because she's mad at you? You were too rough with her. I mean. When women are in the military, it's a lot different than when women are in the military. When it, it doesn't matter of marriage, very simply, is keep the, the expression of happy wifey life is true, whether your wife is in the military or you are in the military. It's true for whether or not your wife is the spouse or you are the spouse. It always is the happy wife is a happy life. Not the guy. We don't get to be happy. Um, well, I take that back. We do get to be happy, but you know what I'm saying. It's it, it, We can say, <laughs> we can look at them and say, not tonight, honey, I have a headache. And they're going to look at us and go, really? You're going to pull that? Uh-huh. And then they start slowly peeling off the, you know, the, what clothing that they happen to be wearing, and we will change our minds. So, you know, I, I'm sorry. It's really hard to say no. Re- re- really hard to say no when she's the one wanting to make things happen. So I'm sure I really understand that experiencing lower marital satisfaction because guys aren't going to say that. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, maybe, maybe I am. Um, significantly less social social support. Yeah, until we started doing this, until Chris started doing MachoSpouse.com and Wayne starting the uh, the manning the home front. Um, we from those two entities right there, we started a trend of guys getting involved. Now. Manning the home front was an idea that didn't quite work out. And for those of you that have never fully heard about this or understood what happened, Wayne's vision on manning the home front was to have something very similar to a national or an international, if you will, um, club where the guys could get together and, you know, there's no buildings, there's no dues, there's no nothing. It's we got together and we would do barbecues, we would drink beer, we would pass around ideas. We could do it on the Internet with Facebook. We could do it with websites. We could have We could just create this. And we did it by chapters. We created chapters. And every chapter, you went, no matter where you went, you could go find a manning home front chapter. The concept was great. And then it didn't work. Chris, on the other hand, he started MachoSpouse.com. MachoSpouse.com is a website, a web presence, if you will. And the web presence is it's available all the time for anybody. There's no subscription fees. There's no cost at all. He puts together some really cool videos because it's a hobby, and these videos are great, great things to to look at and watch. You see experts talking about uh, various 
issues and various problems. You get interviews with with people that you line all the time. You now can put a face to them. I mean, you can meet Everett, you can meet Jeremy, you can meet a few guys that don't deal with the with the internet anymore because they, they just don't have time for it. Um, you get to meet a lot of people and there's a lot of resources and these are videos you can watch over and over again. Chris has his own flair to them, that, which makes them funny. And um, he, he makes these videos when he can, because it's a hobby. And there was no pressure involved with it. There, so with Wayne's trying to do the chapter-wise, which required a lot of work and a lot of involvement, um, Wayne thought that, that Chris should merge in with Manning the Homefront. Chris is like, no. And then Wayne got mad and walked away. Um, I, I agree with Chris. No. It's, if anything, in Manning the Home Front, in the chapters, we promote Macho Spouse as a resource. It would have been a great idea. Uh, anyway, and then Wayne found the commissary problem and took off on that. And we know where that went. So Manning the Home Front kind of has dissolved into almost oblivion. I believe there's still one chapter available that's in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, it's not active. Nobody's doing it, doing anything with it. The closest we've got to active chapter-ish style work is anywhere that that uh, Pete goes, or anywhere that, um, um, oh, come on, yeah. I'm going to just go over to the Facebook page and find him. Uh, he, he, he brought me some beer that I thought was pretty damn nasty, but uh, one of which was really good. He's over in the Stuttgart area, Philip. And Philip has, has gotten really good at wherever he goes, wherever he PCSs, he gets the guys together. And they go out and they bowl and they, they they do cookouts and they drink beer and they 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 have a, a a good time and that's the closest thing we've got right now to anything chapter wise. He leaves an area and somebody else steps up and and takes over and keeps it going. So there's it in the in Japan. There's still an active group going. Bill started it. And it's still going strong. I mean, Philip's not, as he would say, I'm not, a, I'm not an organizer. I just want to do things. And he has no, no problem with doing that. So if you can do the same thing in your area and you have questions and you need to figure out how, give Philip a, a call or a, a, a shout on Facebook, Philip Eskridge. Uh, you know him inside the the, the, the inside the, the men's room. Those of you that read that do the men's room, you can also find him on machospouse.com. We can also probably get a link to him on uh, the milita male military spouse radio show link on Facebook page. But it's easy to find him and he can give you some hints and some ideas and things to, to make use of. So give that a try and see what happens. Um, we'll be back. We'll cover a little bit more about the, of this uh, of these, these things that I've found on the internet. We'll figure out why, what kind of numbers we want to use. But in the meantime, we do need to hear 
from our sponsors, uh, from the Military Guide for Financial Independence and, and Retirement, and also from Armed Forces Insurance. Is your current financial state keeping you up at night? Unsure how you can possibly save for retirement with such a tight budget? Well, one of today's sponsors is the Military Guide for Financial Independence and Retirement, written by Doug Nordman and is available through your local library or for purchase on Amazon. This book shows service members, veterans, and their families how to reach financial independence and retire on their terms and, in my opinion, should be required reading for all man spouses. There are no tricks or gimmicks, just thoughtful spending and a higher savings rate. Most military families can do this within 10 to 20 years, and a few have done it even faster. All of Doug's royalties are donated to military charities, so you know he's financially independent without your money. So, get your copy today from the library or buy one at Amazon. The Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement, written by Doug Nordman. As Captain Barrett's wife, I'm known for my volunteer work, but at home... Hey, you ate all the cookies. Wasn't me. I'm known for my amazing chocolate chip cookies, and that's fine with me. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance, to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. All righty, we're back with Male Military Spouse Radio Show, episode number 71. How do you perceive being a male military spouse? And if you want to call in and add your two cents worth in or 25 cents worth in, or you just want to talk about something that's working in your area, perhaps something that you see needs still needs attention that you haven't been able to find and you believe should be available, give me a call, 516-453-9167. Obviously, uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, that won't do any good, make that phone call, but what you can do is you can still get us online by going to the the, uh, Male Military Spouse Radio Show Facebook page, easy to find, or you can contact me directly uh, on Facebook, I am chief.dave.edder information in there, maybe even get you connected with somebody specific that, that can help you out. Anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about on the lines of the uh, perspective of male military spouses, the invisible family members. It's, a, it's an article that was written back in uh, March 30th, of 2016, or I should say posted. It's a blog from uh, Dr. Marjorie Weinstock from the CDP, the Center for Deployment Psychology. Her blog can be found on deploymentpsych.org. You can, like I said, it's, uh, you can look her up, Marjorie with a J, uh, I-E for the end, Weinstock, W-E-I-N, Stock. And find her, find her thing, or you can look up just, military, male military spouses, and and it'll pop up. We were talking about some of the analysis between the two is where we've gotten to. Uh, I've got somebody that wants to get online, it looks like. Let's see what we find out here real quick. Is anybody at the door? I'll try to pull it up. Yep, 
Doorbell works. Who have I got? You're on the air. Hey, Dave. This is Fritz. How's it going? This is who? Fritz. Fritz, how you doing, buddy? Doing really good. I just uh, I wanted to say congratulations on the sponsor. I know that's a big deal, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, for, that that worked out for you. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's a, you know one of, one of life's little victories, and it's, it's good. It means you're you know the show's progressing, and and uh, hopefully you know they'll, they'll help you reach a wider audience, and and uh, you know vice versa. So it's a good thing. I hope so, and and the fact that AFI has even taken notice to the show is really really important because uh, with the fact that 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 uh, there are. In order to get us the, the, the type of help that us male spouses need, or for all military spouses need, a lot of organizations need to start paying attention to who their target audiences are. And at least Armed Forces Insurance has identified that male military spouses as a demographic can and should be looked at. And matter of fact, I'm even talks with them right now to try and find out if they can't do some that have a male spouse and a female service member doing their commercials. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's a really great point. I mean, actually, I, I have to admit, I'd never heard of uh, Armed Forces Insurance until you mentioned them uh, and played their their spot. So, uh, so you know, they they've you know at least piqued my interest, which I'm guessing it was what they hoped for. So, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. It works. It works out great for everybody. Um, but. Uh, but back back to the theme of your show, um, I would just like to add my my two cents. Um, you know what what, and this this is a point that I've made before, and it is that the the military spouse, you know, the the, the general the stereotypical idea, you know, of the, uh, the the Betty Crocker cookie cutter kind of wife. Um, this is this is not just us. This is this. This stereotype this affects a lot of spouses, you know, same-sex spouses, um, you know, spouses who don't like tea parties and, and cupcakes and, and things like this. And what I'm seeing is, from my own personal perspective, is that, first of all, men are a little bit more uh, aggressive and, and we're pretty quick, you know, to, to make our opinions known, I think, more so than women. Maybe it's just because of our you know, our manliness, or maybe it's because, you know, society encourages that in men. But what I'm seeing is that when male spouses, when we address the, the, the hey ladies, you know, uh, the kind of post, uh, that a lot of these women who are disenfranchised, they tend to latch onto us and appreciate the fact that we're forthcoming and addressing these stereotypes. You didn't think so? I really think that's my own personal experience. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of spouses out there who are just not, who also feel unwelcome. And, uh, you so know, you're it's, thinking, it's, so to paraphrase what you're, what you're saying is, is that the old adage of the, the male, or, or I'm sorry, that the military spouse has to be the gal in the flowery dress with the white gloves walking around like it's all Easter and happy needs to go away that it's really it's down and dirty they're, they're the people that are cleaning the, they're scrubbing the floors because the floor needs to be scrubbed <laughs> damn it exactly 
He's like, no, uh, one of one of the, the ladies I, I recently befriended here at West Point, uh, she's, her husband is an officer. He's been in, I think, 14 years. Um, I don't remember what his rank is, but it's, it's, it's pretty high up there. And she's from rural Ohio, you know, and her hobbies are, you know, hog hunting and mud bogging. And she, uh, she, she, she ends her sentences, you know, and prepositions and all this sort of thing. And she feels um, as excluded from, you know, these functions, these events, from, the, um, from everything the Army tries to do, you know, as far as, you know, MWR and things like this, FRG, she feels as equally excluded as I do. And I was really surprised, um, and, it's, and it's for the same reasons. You know, when they present uh, things, uh, you know, spousa paloozas and everything's pink with flowers and, and, you know, this sort of thing, she feels equally excluded. And so I, I really think that, and it's, you know, it's, it's because of, uh, you know, people like you and, and Chris and, every, and Jay, you know, everybody, um, uh, you know, on our side of the argument, I think they see us, um, you know, stepping up and saying, hey, this isn't right, this isn't fair, this isn't who we are. And I really think that a lot of women, uh, uh, female spouses, feel empowered by this. And so I think we have a lot more advocates uh, than we think, and I think that number is, is actually growing. I think you're right. It, it does seem to be. Uh, and, and one of the things that I've noticed also by experiencing this, this uh, Army Spouse of the Year award uh, is that that you know honestly the, the the whole the whole thought about I ran for this army spouse of the year two years ago and I was seriously wanting to see how far I could get with army spouse of the year and I, I have no clue how far I went I did not win San Antonio's or, or, or I'm sorry um, Fort Sam Houston's military spouse of the year and I don't know why um, nobody said anything or gave any indication and I never found anybody that supposedly won that one unless they grouped it all together as a joint base thing I, I, I've never been clear on that one so this year I wasn't even going to do it right. you remember the post you were still involved with the, 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 the room uh, which reminds yeah. me, you want to back? You want back into the room? No. No, not yet. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> no. we were, we were, you know, we were, we were talking about it, et cetera. But you know, it was, it was all lighthearted and, and whatnot. And then I got that email saying you have been nominated, and that Chris had nominated me. And so I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking about it. It's like you know, I've only done a year of this show, and most of the shows are crap. Most of these podcasts are garbage, um, but there, there's good ones out there, and I'm not about to go through and figure out which ones are good and which ones are bad, weeding out the crap, because I'm a believer in everything has its own jewel, whether that jewel is, you know, that hasn't quite gone from being a piece of dung into a piece of coal, which is the first step for being a diamond, right? Anyway, so I didn't, you know... It was it was an interesting thought. What do, so I went ahead and filled all the information out. I didn't even expect to have anywhere close to any kind of anybody talking about me until that 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 uh, overly sensitive wife's page put a picture of me up on there. And it was like really 
That's funny. I made overly sensitive wives page, military wives page. Like, damn it. And everybody's going, yeah, we're going to, we're going to elect him. And just think of how many pissed off women there will be. Like, well, you know what? I have a chance. And then, and then to find out that uh, I carried a large, if not most of the LGBT uh, arena because of the, the work we've done in the show and and uh, on uh, on the internet and the Facebook pages, in including our same-sex husbands in what we do, and even though still just as crude and rude, and socially immature as we always have ever been, we've got guys in there that uh, their skin is. I wouldn't say thick. I would just say that they're they're just as fucking ordinary as we are. Corey is is insane. Um, Brian is insane, and they're they fit right in right in with us, and they're happily and and very positively and very well representing the the same sex group that we want to see in there. You know, we want people to participate instead of going. Uh, with a political agenda, and um, or we won't mention his name, but he has a political agenda. These other guys don't. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's you know, so much. I was I was I was thinking about that when you were actually running for the spouse of the year about you know if you were the ha ha the screw you vote um, to the you know so so called establishment of military spouses, and I think that you may be right. That may be the case, but. You're, you're obviously deserving, you know, of, of all the attention well, you get for all the work you've done over the years um, on the serious side. Uh, and look yeah, at it this way. Right. If, it, if, and, and if I did keep, if I did carry the ha-ha, screw you uh, vote, then that was a large majority of people. Yes, that's, that's my point, is a lot of people are uh, unhappy with the status quo. And... Uh, you know, and and you know, some some guy like you know wearing a fedora, shuffing cheeseburgers in his mouth, or or, or whatever. That's uh, <laughs> you, you're the anti-spouse. You know, you're the anti-hero of the spousal world. So, uh, I yeah. mean, and the second I won, second I won Garrison PAO, and my 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 first uh, my family readiness support assistant took me in the office, and they said, "Can we uh, can we make a couple suggestions for you?" And I said, sure, what suggestions do you have? And they said, well, um, you're representing us now. Can we change that profile picture? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can change I think, profile picture. I think the profile picture is what made you famous <clears throat> myself. I think that's what garnered the support. It was, it's a beautiful picture. You know, I, I'm fixing to go back to it because I love that picture. I mean, that was, a, that was a full length. If What's it isn't full length and you, you've been wearing like a wife beater and some boxer shorts, I, I think oh, that would have been funny. Well, see, now the, the funny part is, is that was during a scouting event, uh-huh. boy scouting event. And right. I was there as an assistant scoutmaster. And we had the boys off doing a, an orientation trail. And it was just an afternoon thingy. And me and another assistant scoutmaster sat down at the, at the at the end of the trail where there was a, uh, a barbecue pit, and we 
cooked up some burgers for these boys when they showed up. Well, right. they were running a little bit late because, as, <laughs> you know, it's boys. They're they're going to mess yeah. around out in the forest. They're going to some you, are going to you, you know. You didn't want the I was hungry. <laughs> I was hungry. So I put one together, and Roger picks up my phone. He takes a picture of me taking a bite. And we looked at it, and it's like, that's a pretty cool picture. So I just made that my profile picture for almost a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm proud of that picture. I like that picture. Um, I got funnier ones. I got one that uh, my oldest boys um, did a one. You've seen those those meme generators where they can take somebody's picture, their face, and you put it on there. And so they put right. on Al Pacino's face and, and renamed it from Scarface to Scareface. <laughs> and, it, and I've got this crazy, crazy uh, uh, Unabomber sneer going, you know. <laughs> I got some really funny pictures that I used as profile pictures. But no, that one, you know, I was proud of that one. But when the PAO and the, and the person said, you know, can we, can we the work on your work on your profile too, something that, that, that <laughs> is more bulletized. It's, it's actually fits more in the lines of a resume. And I said, sure, do what you want to do. Let's see what we can do. And then, and they, they reworked it. They retooled what I wrote. And I'm just there. I'm going, nope, that's not right because that's not the truth. The truth right. is, and I tell them what the truth was, and they would modify it and go, how is that? And I said, now that is the truth. Sounds a hell of a lot better than I talk. But my profile, at least, was professional-ish. And right. I Army spouse of the year. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> There's a chance I could actually do this? And I went up against Natasha, and, it, and i got to get – I have to give Natasha props. Natasha Hart, the winner of the overall – she's a Marine Corps wife. Her husband's a gunny. Me and her were the only two enlisted spouses, okay? And mm-hmm. our, our, our spouses were the enlisted members. The rest were officers. Right. Anyway, her husband works there in Washington, D.C., and she her whole thing that she wants is really, really, really cool. I have to, I have to give her props on it. She – as she put it, she says when they first got there to Washington D.C., it just floored her. She couldn't understand how many homeless veterans were hanging around the bases and nobody was helping them. Yeah. So she would buy, she would buy, you know, uh, she would see a, a homeless vet that needed uh, deodorant or he needed some razor blades or needed. Uh, you know, toothpaste or something, uh, and then give them a couple bucks to go buy something at McDonald's. And she started doing that, and others were watching her do it, and they started doing the same thing. And then these people were finding her in the commissary and giving her stuff, saying, here, hand this to the veterans, too. Right. And so it yeah, just it's... snowballed. It snowballed so that she was she was now giving out bags of, of stuff to the homeless vets, filling up their, their closet and stuff, 
that here recently, uh, just prior to her becoming military spouse of the year, she had actually had somebody go to the effort of making her a 501c3 and getting her a building that they could put this stuff in. And she's now operating, handing out all of the stuff, making sure the homeless vets have what they need. And I'm, I'm yeah, like, you know what, woman, you're amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's really, really you. admirable. I lost to you? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is, you know, you know um, there, there's a lot, a lot of sentiment, you know, about the whole, you know, when you see somebody on the street, you know, begging, you know, you, you know, get a job, you know, go find some work and that kind of stuff. But the, uh, the, the the situation, you know, I've, I've I've shared this story before. You know, I've been homeless. I've I've been on the street. You know, lived out of my car. I've done all that. And when you haven't taken a shower in two weeks, when you're two months past due a haircut, you know, nobody's going to give you a job. And and the uh, you know, your self esteem is just non-existent. Um, it, it doesn't even like cross your mind to approach somebody for work. Uh, and and uh, I I had a friend who was a, a homeless veteran uh, back in Georgia, and he he used to bum money, uh, and he would get about five dollars in the mornings, and he would go to Goodwill, and buy an outfit, you know, a shirt and a pair of pants, uh, from Goodwill just so he would have clean clothes that day. Yeah. And you know, and it's it's sad because people don't consider that you know the basic hygiene, you know, like brushing your teeth and things like this. And it, it, it goes a long way, you know. And 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 you know, three dollars, four dollars at McDonald's that also goes a heck of a long way. You can get your total uh, caloric daily in, intake at McDonald's for five bucks. You know, it, it can. Yeah. So and and yeah, she's, and another thing you can do is you can you can actually go to the homeless veterans that are out there or anybody that's homeless and saying, hey. What do you like to have for breakfast? What do you like to eat for breakfast? And right. just going down the line, pretty much make a list. You can go and make a pot of eggs, scramble them, dish them right. out into little cups with a with a with a, a plastic top and a spoon, plastic spoon, and go hand those out to everybody who likes eggs and those that that like to have <clears throat> like a, 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 a bowl of oatmeal. When I was homeless, I tried to live out of the, the I tried to live out of the uh, missions, and those missions, they are overrun. Yeah. And they're the, the the people you know when you're homeless and you're on the street, you have to be there early, standing in line, or yeah. you yeah. may not get anything. And so, yeah. The knowledge this, this was um, this this one of my experiences was um, I was up in uh, up in New Hampshire, and there was a homeless shelter. And this was during the winter. You know, New Hampshire winters are, are pretty brutal, and um, and th- I was in line, um, you know, to, to try to get a bunk for the night. And there was there was a guy behind me, um, his I don't I don't know if he was a widower or what, but he had two kids. You know, he's waiting in line behind me. You know, and uh, you, you can't you can't wait in line. You know, and take their bunk. You know, and you just can't do it. So it's uh, it's, it's it's pretty brutal out there for for the homeless people. You know, the, the veteran population that that they exist, that homeless veterans exist, is just deplorable. So yeah, she's really a commendable woman for for everything she's doing. 
Yeah, and it's and it's making it's making a difference, but it's not making a dent. Correct. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. But you know, it, 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 we we can work on that. And, and somebody, if they want to, that probably would be something that would be good to work on. Maybe you know, I'm not exactly sure what you could do. Homeless people well, are homeless. Could... Homeless people are homeless for a reason, and that and 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 that sounds calloused, but it isn't callous because the fact well, of the matter is, you lose your house for any number of reasons, any number of reasons. And the ones that lose a house because they've been conned or they, or because they lost a job or because they went through a relatively wicked divorce and lost everything to the, to the, to their or forced to sell everything because everything's split halfway down the middle, and that means right. means you have to sell everything. Well, the the spouse may have already got something on the side, and thus is okay and is not living on the street. But you, on the other hand, you don't have something to fall back on, and you end up on the street. Or like in my instance, what happened was uh, I was working carnivals at the time, and and we had um, the district attorney in that town just decided they didn't like us and decided to bust us uh, for no reason. And they made us go to jail. And in order to pay off the debt, we had to, the, the owner had to do, do stuff, and, which left me, which left me with no place to live for the month that it took for him for, for Sam to work off the, the, the details. Um, and even so, when that month was up, I had a light at the end of the tunnel, but I, for the meantime, I still had to live in downtown Los Angeles with nothing. Right. All the money was wrapped up in this court case that ended up getting thrown out. And Sam got all of his money back, including the, 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 the stuff that was spent on me. I, had, I spent a week in jail. It was good, good to have a, a shower. But it was the last shower I had for a month. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, had, I was living on the street. I had no choice. They told me I could not leave the Los Angeles area. And I was like, well, where am I going to live? And they said, that's not our problem. Uh, would you like to spend it in jail? Go do something stupid. It's like, <laughs> not going to do that. And hindsight, I probably should have. But um, it, it, it's, I was homeless, and it was beyond my control. And even though I knew that I had a way out, it still was beyond my control. And I, I see these other. I saw these. I talked to so many of these other guys. I knew a guy there that was homeless because he worked for a company. He worked for a company that provided him a company house and a company car, and they they had a, a, a what was it a, a maid service, and he, so he was living the life of luxury, 
and got, and his boss got busted, and the business got shut down, and everything seized, and he got kicked out on the street with just the clothes on his back, and he was there in the homeless shelter because he was still living on the street. Nobody would take him because the, he had no references other than this company, and this company had such a bad rep that they weren't going to hire him. He could not be in right. his line of business. He just got screwed royally, and he had to sell off what clothes he owned to try and live that first couple of weeks. He was on the, on the street, and he was way past that. I mean, oh, poor guy. And yeah, yeah. No, there's, 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 there's uh, you know, the vic- victims of you know just just circumstance and, and people people they they tend to underrate the power of circumstance. Um, you know, like you said, a divorce or you know losing your job and all these things. There's a lot of reason why people uh, become homeless. And in in the the civilian world, you know there there are safety nets. You know there are plenty of well-intended government programs, and uh, but they they tend not to be very effective. But you know, in, in the as far as the veterans go, veteran homelessness. Um, you know, and and it's a, a lot of the, the, the veterans that you see, they have, you know, mental health problems. Some of them have addiction problems. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's a kind of a chicken and an egg thing. If you live on the street for two, three years and you're not half crazy and a drunk, you know, <laughs> I want to know how you achieve that. Uh, it's, you know, being homeless, it, it has its own uh, uh, effects on people, uh, being marginalized in society, just being a scavenger and, and, and a beggar, you know, it, it, it tends to impact you. Whatever problems, underlying problems you had initially, it just it just increases, you know, uh, twofold. It's that's really sad. But as far as the the solution, um, it's you know just um, you know raising awareness about the issue. I think a lot of people are, are you know, and the the, the veteran suicide rate, you know, twenty two a day. Um, the problems that the veterans are undergoing, the veteran community, because as time goes by, uh, this is this is pretty much similar to the post-Vietnam era, yes. you know, where and everybody's just, they're pushing these people to the side and they're hoping they'll just kind of go off quietly, but there is a very vocal segment of the population that's saying, like, we're not going to let this happen again. You know, we yeah. saw what happened after Vietnam. We're not going to let this happen again. Um, and yet so, they you know, are. <laughs> yeah, of course. And yet they are. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, Fritz. We'll be Certainly. back in 30 seconds. When I'm on base, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Cooper, but at home, Daddy! Hi, Dad. Daddy! Hi. I'm known as Dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance, to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. And we're back with Male Military Spouse Radio Show, Episode 71. How do you perceive being a male military spouse? And as usual, with any time we talk on the radio, uh, on this show, sometimes we get off the subject. But we're not exactly off the subject, folks. We've kind of gotten into the, the, the being a homeless vet. We're talking about being homeless. And one of the correlations that I'm really impressed with this, this sideline discussion we're having is the fact that the people that are homeless have been marginalized like we have been marginalized as male military spouses and so 
listening to what Fritz and I are talking about, and thank you, Fritz Schneider, for being online with me. I appreciate that for the second hour. Um, while we're talking about about being homeless and about about uh, veterans, the stigma that some of these these guys that, that have PTSD and are living on the street, pay attention because you can actually draw some serious correlation towards being a male military spouse. And some of the ways in which that, that, that can help these veterans and these homeless people may help us, too. So, anyway, back to what you were talking about there, Fritz, about the, the, the stigma that the, the Vietnam vets were, were feeling in some of the, the, the more recent PTSD. Go ahead. Well, you know, that's a great, great point that you just made, you know, and it's like what I was referring to about what came first, you know, the, the people's uh, uh, mental, mental health problems, the addiction, is the, was that a precursor to their homelessness or did that happen after their homelessness? Um, and, you know, the, the support is just not out there and, and like it should be. And, of course, there's a lot of stigma, I think, when these guys are actually in the military, there's a huge stigma about, you know, seeking help. Um, there used to be. There used to be. There's a lot Yeah, it's now. getting better. It's getting better, uh, but it still exists. And when these guys go, you know, when they leave the military, um, they still, you know, carry that with them. Or I should say men and women because there's, there's plenty of female, um, almost female vets out there. But, you know, I think they still carry that with them, and, and it could be a reason why they don't get help. And this is um, what you were uh, – one of the, the things you were – bullets you were listing earlier about the male military spouses not picking the support that's out there. And, um, and there is a stigma that goes with that as well. And it's not unlike, you know, say uh, um, a male service member. If he wants to seek help because he's feeling depressed or he's feeling, you know, uh, isolated or he's – you know, suffering from PTSD, as men, if we're stuck, you know, to, um, if we're stuck here, our you know, wife's on deployment, we got three kids, we got a dog, you know, we got a car payment, we got all these problems, we're less likely to seek help, I think. We so are. even if the help is out there, even if, you know, the, everybody does a great job of saying, hey, you know, come get some help, we understand your situation, we understand what you're going through, I think as men, we're just we're just less inclined um, to rely on that. We want our wives, especially if they're deployed or you know they're out doing field coverage or training or whatever. If they're not at home, we want our wives to think we're the pillar of strength and that everything is awesome. And well, ideally, there are some husbands who like curl up in a little ball and say, "Honey, come home." Uh, but yeah, I, I think that. Uh, the you know the the ostracism and the stigma for seeking seeking help and all that I think that's just part part of inherently being male and I don't know if the you know if any part of the military culture can do anything to change that well <clears throat> inside the military culture I don't think so uh, hard part about dealing with it is that that. The ones that, let's go back to the addictions. And a lot of the, a lot of the homeless vets that come out that are, are, are out because they were medically separated and they had no place to go or because they, were to, they felt ashamed to go home for whatever reason because they didn't want to talk about their, their, their injuries, um, 
they're on they they have uh, PTSD that may or may not have manifested itself, but they probably are already addicted to some sort of a painkiller. And now that they've been separated from the military, and if they have not talked to the VA, which you're supposed to do before you get out of something that's fairly recent that you're supposed to, but not all do, the VA may not be able to track what and where they're at. And with the VA having all the problems that it's having as well, the, the veteran that is now separated from the military is looking at the fact that they're not getting the results and the and the attention that they used to get while they were in the military and that they got so used to the fact that the meds were available and that they had people that that they could relate to. Instead, they're on a street corner dealing with with uh, uh, Joe Scumbag over here, who is homeless because he's a wife beater and he's a uh, uh, and he's a, a, a deadbeat dad and too damn lazy to work and what he would rather do is just drink his life away in a bottle of wine but he's strong enough that he's going to beat up anybody that's in their sleep you know now he has to deal with that guy so what do you do you, you kind of clam up and you go all PTSD on somebody you go crazy you get wild hair maybe they'll leave me alone you're off in a corner somewhere and now you're going through withdrawals, and it's 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 a terribly tough life. That bothers me that that that, that can and will happen. There's nothing the military can do about it. They really can't. You and I, as taxpayers, are screaming that we need to find ways to take care of these people, but we get mad when they start raising our taxes. We get mad when they start saying we need to take away from this program and give to that program in order to make what happen, what you need, sir, about the military to have happen. We get mad that they're doing that wrong. And, and, and don't get me wrong. When things are going to get shooken up pretty much here. Uh, if Hillary makes it, uh, it's definitely going to be a scary, scary, scary thing if uh, – if, uh, if Donald makes it, it's going to be. He's, I, I think. I think realistically, and I hate to make a stand. Uh, I've tried to be as as uh, politically neutral as I possibly can. But you know what? If there was any anybody, if if it was limited to just those two, if the ballot only had those two, and I don't know who else is going to be on the ballot. Between those two, I cannot vote for Hillary. I cannot well, vote a, for Hillary. You know, there's, there's I would a, there's... rather see. I would rather see Trump get in and destroy our economy on the political <laughs> governmental side, because what he will do is he will fix it, and then those that are constitutionally savvy will recognize that he can't do that and they will kick his ass out of office. But not before half of Congress, if not all of Congress, quits. And then we get fresh right. new blood. You know, my, my, my theory is is we, we know what Hillary's going to do, okay? We, oh, we yes. can look at her track record. We know exactly what Hillary's going to do. 
And Hillary's going to do what, you know, what she's always done. She's going to back big business. She's going to uh, probably get us in, involved in a bullshit war for no reason, somewhere we don't need to be. Um, well, well so, will, so will Trump. But, that's, but Trump I, won't do it. Trump won't do it because uh, I, it, 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 it'll just be somebody that gets mad going, hey, you can't do that. But with well, Hillary, you know, if, 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 you shouldn't. If, if Trump wanted to, 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 to wage a war, and he wanted to do it to, you know, uh, regime change or to destabilize a region or to somehow, you know, impact the, the flow of natural resources and, and, and business, he would, get, he would get in front of the podium and he would tell us, you know. Yes. Uh, he would say, hey, we're going to go to war for oil. You know, he's going to say, we're running low on oil. Yes. You know, we don't want to use our reserves. They got a bunch of oil. Let's go take it. And, yeah, <laughs> and, I agree. And as crazy as it sounds. As crazy as it sounds, I can actually respect that. You know, so uh, many countries do that. Why not us? Yes. Yeah, but the uh, you know, I we can we can we can we can guarantee that Hillary will destroy the economy. Um, with Trump, it's a it's a it's a coin toss. Well, you one know? thing we do know, one thing we do know with Trump is that there's enough people that think. And, and the funny part about it is, is he would not be winning these polls if he wasn't getting the people woke up who have always thought this way, who have never stood up and made their voices known. He's woken them up, and he, what's happened is, is he has poked that bear. Yeah. And that and, bear you know, I think is, because he's – because he's not a uh, you know a Washington insider, because he's not hasn't been part of the political process, um, I really don't think that he would be able to accomplish you know too much of too many of his loftier uh, dreams as president because he wouldn't have you know he would have you know no one working with him, um, but he would shape uh, public opinion. He would change the way that America thinks. Yep. Um, and and that's that's something that needs to be done. But to to address what we were talking about earlier, uh, without you know, sorry, you know, we, we took a political tangent. But um, if you recall, <laughs> it was um, what 2000 2014, I believe, when they had a situation with the unaccompanied minors, uh, the, the the kids from uh, you know Mexico, Central America, who were being sent over into the U.S. And they were being housed on military uh, installations. Mm, I don't. I'm remembering that. Yeah, well, I'm, it happened. It was a thing. Trust me, it was it was a pretty big thing because they housed a lot of them at Fort Sill. And oh. a group, that, yeah, a group that I was involved with, you know, we got out there. We had our protest signs and everything. You know, veterans before illegals, this sort of stuff, because the president had identified unaccompanied minors as being at, you know, an epidemic level. And he said, okay, we need to do something with this. Um, You know, we need to house them. We need to feed them. We need to clothe them. And so we had all these empty military, you know, barracks on military posts all over the country. So they put them all on buses and they sent them to these uh, installations. And that's what we did. We housed them. We feed them. We clothed them. We gave them medical care. We did everything we possibly could for these uh, kids who were coming into the country illegally, which is a good thing, you know. If, regardless of your opinion on, you know, illegal immigration, a, a six-year-old kid, you know, whose parents sent him across the border, we need to take care of him. 
Um, just, I don't care what we do with afterwards. We can send him back home. But in the meantime, if, you know, if he's here, we need to take care of him. But what, what I'm getting at is when, when the administration identified that this was a problem and it was becoming an epidemic problem, they acted. So as far as the yes. veterans who are on the street, as far as, you know, the addiction, the suicide, all these things that are going on, all it takes is for someone in the government to say, okay, we need to fix it now, and they'll fix it. But no one is standing up and, and doing that, and it's, it's just nope. disgraceful. Yep, it is. <clears throat> Likewise, uh, with the male military spouses, you know, we, we recognize that that there are certain things that need to be addressed for us, and whether or not people are actually standing up and doing it is an entirely different start. I'm trying to bring it back to the topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how effective I'm going to be in doing this. But hmm. anyway, uh, we – one of the things that, that like, you, you had alluded to was the fact that, that men have – the ability to step up and say, hey, wait a minute, stop, quit making it so women-oriented. But the one thing I challenge everybody that, 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 that's dealing with that issue, and that would include you, Fritz, because I know you are very, very vocal when that happens, when you see that happening. <laughs> Be careful that you don't alienate somebody that could help us. Remember, and, and I started talking out about talking about the numbers, the first part of the show, the very first part of the show, I started talking about the percentages of who are male spouses and who, and where does that information come from? Uh, what are the numbers? The advertisers, the sponsors of the particular events, recognize that 10% of the expected participants of that said event is not going to make anybody's paycheck. And sponsors are not there to be nice to us. They're not there to provide us something cool. They're there to entice more participation. And what you can expect, what you can see is, is if you see people in there that are, that are giving away something pink or they're giving away something jewelry or they're giving something away that smells good, leave them alone. Leave <laughs> them alone. They recognize that 80%, 8 out of 10 people, they can make money off of in the long run. They're looking at who they can sell to. They're not looking that to who they can give away a gift. But as a guy, what we can do is we know one of those events is coming up. We can run down to Bass Pro Shop, and we can walk into Bass Pro Shop saying, hey, look, they're fixing to do a denim, denim and diamonds event. Since it's going to be denim involved, that means I can come in in my cowboy hat and my boots. I want you to come in with a damn boat because we guys know that half of those women like to fish. So you don't have just 20%. 
of the population of, of, of the participants are going to be guys, but you're going to have 50% of the population. Those are damn good numbers for fishing. But, and that's just, and that's just, that's just, you know, that's just good marketing, and, it, and it's something that, that a lot of, you know, for, you know, Bass Pro Shop, for example, Bass Pro Shop, you know, they, they have competitors, they have, you know, uh, Cabela's, they have uh, exporting goods, you know, the, that crappy department oh. at Walmart. That, um, but, Get them all you know, as far as for the um, as far as for like you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing like higher end customers, you know, like real serious enthusiasts, um, Bass Pro Shop, you know, they 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 have a pretty good. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's the kid. They have a, a pretty good. Uh, pretty that was good a kid. Are you sure? Clientele. Yeah. I'm joking, I'm so, you know, so it's in the interest of Bass Pro Shop to say, hey, where where else can we go? You know, let's market uh, towards fathers who want to take your kids fishing. Let's market to women who are looking for a nice hobby, you know, something relaxing to do. It can, it can more quality time with their husbands. Let's sell women fishing poles so they'll, they can go fishing with their husbands, you know. And as far as, you know, the, the, the sponsors and things that like you were saying at this event, they, they, if you can get them thinking long-term as far as, you know, who else can I attract, uh, who else can I bring to my table, you know, they, they should really start thinking long-term too because, after every single woman in America has a closet full of Cincy, they need to start attracting men. And I, I you know, I, I'm joking about the Cincy. Oh, you but they, did it. You did it. I'm impressed. They, you brought Cincy into it. They have started marketing towards men, and this is allowing female spouses, who are, you know, as you know, predominant sellers of Cincy, to actually try to market towards male spouses. And to women whose husbands are active duty, but they brought men into the picture because they want to make money long term. And now, how's that is, you know, working the, out for you? <laughs> I'm not even sure what a Cincy is, to tell you the truth. No, <laughs> but you're a Cincy girl. Air, it's some sort of overpriced air freshener. Um, but Walmart, <laughs> I, I was in Walmart the other day, and they have uh, the Walmart brand. It's called like Cincier. Or something. So I'm, I'm guessing the, the the stock in Cincy is going to take a big beating pretty soon since they have a a Chinese competitor. Well, maybe, maybe. I don't know if you've <laughs> tried that stuff. It doesn't burn either. Um, but yeah, you know, no. Um, I mean, well, yeah, go ahead. On that on that information on that lines, like like you were saying there, is is that we recognize, you know, uh, let's just stay with fishing for for the sake of the, the conversation. I get this information from, you know, prior actually working at a radio station that had a, a, a geographic area instead of like the internet show, which is everywhere and podcast is forever. Uh, the radio show, the radio station I worked at was, you know, you had to listen or you lost it unless you were smart enough to get a, to have a cassette recorder and record the show. And who was stupid enough to do that? <clears throat> anyway, um, one of the things that we talked to the, the, the people who showed up with a fishing tank, because it was our suggestion, was mm-hmm. it was a home show. We, we put together a home show. And if you're not familiar with the concept within radio to do home shows, the concept was that uh, it, was, it was designed to help the listener to go to the event 
and talk to the cabinet makers on what could possibly be done to put together a nice new cabinet. Things you can do online now. Those home shows mm-hmm. don't do that anymore. And we brought in a, a, a fishing place. I think it was Cabela's we brought in. And what we suggested to them was that predominantly in the past, we had gotten more women involved with the uh, uh, with participating, but they would bring their husbands. But put on something like a fishing demonstration. Teach the, 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 the viewers, the people that walked into the place, how to catch a bass. Mm-hmm. And so by teaching them how to catch a bass, they sold lures and they would and they would give demonstrations on how the lure works and what the lure did and how the fish reacted because these bass they brought in, they hit things. So, you know, he was constantly throwing it out there and reeling it in. It was great. Um, right. What you can work with the ones that you know the guys would be interested in. Can you get Grill Master to show up to one of these one of these uh, big spouse events? Grill Master, if they come in and they show the women how, you know, a side by side. I'm just I'm just shooting off the hip here. I don't know if this would work or not. But they they show the women in the audience and us guys that because we're already sold on it. They show how what the difference in flavor between a burger that is grilled on a range versus a burger that is grilled on gas and a burger that is grilled on charcoal. And the three burgers, they they make up like a good 20 burgers, and then they chop them up in little pieces, and everybody gets to taste them, taste test them side by side, which one's better. And -hmm. they could sell their grill that way. But in the meantime, they've got all the, they got the entire audience involved with it. And I would happily win an apron. Right. So this is this is this is one of the uh, the the points I've tried to to make before, as far as you know, male spouses and you know, finding our place within the spousal community and what we have to offer, what we can bring to the table. And you know, it's a lot of guys. We have skills that women don't. You know, we we know how to hang a picture, we know how to snake a drain, we know how to change the oil, we do all these things that could actually help. Um, you know, female spouses could be beneficial to help share our knowledge about things like this because when the husband is deployed, the mom is going to want to try to fill that role the best she can. And she can take her kids fishing. If they like fishing with dad and dad is deployed, the, the mom can take the kids fishing. You can teach the mom, you know, how to grill a burger. You can do all these things because women, I think, would be interested in expanding uh, their roles, you know, with when, when dad is not home. So when, you have the the spouse of Palooza event, you know the the tea party, um, the same marketing that you would do to male spouses could also be effectively used for female spouses. Yeah. So getting them involved, getting them involved, uh, bringing them on board, and saying, hey, we're not going to do cupcakes this year. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do uh, uh, beef jerky. You know, I mean, it's you know maybe beef jerky is a poor choice, but you know, it, you can you can you can look at your your customer base and you can think long term 
we're only 10% now or 20% now, but in another 10 years, we're probably going to be 50%. So why not get them on board early and, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll grow, their presence will grow within the spousal community. And the yeah. spousal community will change as a result of this. When you go to an yeah. event, you don't see the pink aprons, you don't see the, 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 the flowers, um, you know, everybody will feel a little more welcome. <laughs> Let's recap what the show is supposed to be about and see whether that's <laughs> an expectation. Um, this show is supposed to be how do you perceive being a male male spouse with new studies showing as militaries beginning to get what we are experiencing as a minority amongst male spouse population. What are you seeing as working and what you see needs attention? So how do you think we did? Did we cover that and did we did we do we get any results or anything useful out of this? I think you did a great job did. until I called and totally derailed you, but we managed no. to work our way back around somehow. Uh, so, Let's, yeah, I think we covered a lot of issues. I I think you do good. I, I I would love to have you as a regular on the show, honestly. And with with the with the the time that you have right now, it's it's working out almost perfectly between nap times and feeding. So I'll try to participate a little more. All right. Hey, I got to run. I got a commercial I need to play, and then we're out of here. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. See ya. When I'm on base, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Cooper, but at home... Daddy! Hi, Dad. Daddy! I'm known as Dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance. When I'm on base, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Cooper, but at home... Daddy! Hi, Dad. Daddy! Hi. I'm known as Dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance, to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. All right, that's been the Male Military Spouse Radio Show, number 71. How do you perceive being a male military spouse? I appreciate everybody who's listened in. I appreciate Fred Schneider for giving me a call in, and it's been fun. We'll be back next week with another brand new fresh show, and we'll see what, we'll see what the, I've got going then. Um, talk to you later. Easy day better. Also known as Old Fart. The views and opinions expressed on Male Military Spouse Radio are not those of the management of MachoSpouse.com or any of their sponsors and shall be deemed just that, opinions and views. <laughs>